All of humanity is enslaved to sin and condemned. It is a difficult truth for many to accept, and so they live day to day in hopeless denial. Today on Drawing Near, we see that Jesus has paid the ransom for our sin, and by the grace of God, we can be set free. So open your Bibles and join us as we study Ephesians 1, verses 7 through 10, The Riches of Grace. But before we read our scripture for today, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, it's another beautiful day, a day in which we get to get up, go to work, work at home, a day in which we get to live in your presence with every opportunity that we have to draw near to you. We thank you, Father, so much for the privilege of being awakened to the truth of your presence and your grace, to be alive to know that you are God and that you have sought to redeem fallen mankind. Father, we thank you for this, and we ask you, Lord, to help us to see and to understand, to study and to pray, to fellowship with you, to intimately engage you in such a way that you work in our hearts and lives. Father, we thank you for all of this. We especially thank you for all that you've done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray, Father, that as we study, we may grow into his likeness, grow into fullness of the one who is our head, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. So let's read Ephesians 1, verses 7 through 10. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. And so in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, the first thing we see here in this verse, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. The idea of redemption is the idea of an exchange. When I was a child, we used to collect S&H green stamps. And after you collected enough of them in books, you would exchange them for merchandise. We would collect books for a long time. You'd get them for buying this and buying that, and then you would exchange them for merchandise. We redeemed the stamps for the products that we wanted. There was an exchange. This idea of redemption in the New Testament is the exact same. The exchange is simply this. Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross to redeem us or to purchase us for God. Now, there's a lot in that. First, there's the idea that Jesus Christ is that which God exchanged for us. He paid a ransom with Jesus so that we could be released from our bondage to sin. He redeemed us. The second thing we see about redemption is he redeemed us to himself. We are now that merchandise, that individual, having been redeemed, who belongs to God. The New Testament tells us 
we have been bought with a price. We're no longer our own. We don't belong to sin. We don't belong to self. We have been redeemed. And it's a beautiful thought that God would love us so much that he would pay the ransom price of Jesus's innocent blood to pay for our sins and trespasses that we might be redeemed. He paid the ransom for us. He did this in him, in Jesus Christ. The words through his blood refer to the fact that Jesus Christ had to die. He had to die on the cross. He had to shed his blood for our redemption. This should immediately tell each one of us how sinful we are, the depth of our fallen nature. That Jesus should have to die on the cross, the righteous, innocent Son of God, he had to die on the cross, he had to shed his blood in order to redeem us to God. Sometimes people will tell me, I'm not that bad, I'm not that sinful. Well, the fact that Jesus died on the cross the way he did, and that his death was necessary to pay for our sin, says that my heart is desperately wicked above all things, I don't even know the depth of its wickedness. We're told further on in verse 7 that all of this is according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. God is gracious. We say that all the time. We hear it all the time. God is gracious. But imagine how wealthy God is, or imagine how much grace God possesses. God possesses all of the grace he needs. There's no limit to his grace. So we have been redeemed through the blood of Jesus. We have received the forgiveness of our sins, our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. In other words, how much of our sins have been forgiven? Well, that's according to the riches of his grace. Uh, Does God have enough grace to pay for our sins? Does God have enough grace to cover our sin debt? And the answer is, absolutely. Where sin is abounded, grace has much more abounded. And the scripture tells us here at the very latter part of this sentence that God has lavished his grace upon us. He has caused it to abound in our lives. Well, how much grace do we have? We have all the grace that we need to cover our sinfulness. Praise the Lord. As hard as it may be for us to conceive, there is no sin greater than the grace of God. There is no accumulation of sin that is greater than the grace of God. His grace is sufficient, and he has lavished it upon us. He has caused it to abound in in our lives. And then if you're following along in your Bibles, depending on the translation you're using, you'll notice that the New American Standard Bible says, which he lavished on us, period. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will. The New King James Version says that he caused this grace to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. In other words, There's a distinction among the translators concerning these words in all wisdom and insight. Is he saying that he lavished his grace upon us, resulting in all wisdom and insight? 
or that in all wisdom and insight he made known to us the mystery of his will. Another way of asking this question is, in his grace, did he give us all wisdom and insight, or he possessed all wisdom and insight as he made known to us the mystery of his will? Did he give it to us, or does he possess it? Well, the fact is, we know he possesses all wisdom and insight. That's not something that we require from this verse. So the other question is, this grace that he has lavished upon us, has it resulted in all wisdom and insight? And we have plenty of references from the scriptures that that is so. It has been noted that W.T. Connor used to say to his classes that Paul puts emphasis on intelligence and religion. Paul teaches here that not only has God's grace brought redemption and forgiveness, it has overflowed in the additional gifts of wisdom and prudence. So not only has God paid the ransom price to redeem us from our bondage of sin through the blood of Jesus Christ, not only has he provided for us the forgiveness of our sins according to his riches of grace, he has lavished his riches of grace on us, resulting in our having all the wisdom and all the insight necessary to live in this new relationship with God the Father and live in the freedom from sin before Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. What an amazing testimony concerning the riches of the grace of God. And let's not forget, that's why he's doing this. Verse 6 tells us that he did all of this to the praise of the glory of his grace. Well, as we look on in verse 9, we see that he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in Christ. Oftentimes in the New Testament, especially in Paul's writings, this mystery of his will is the bringing together in Jesus Christ, the Jew and the Gentile. No one would have imagined in the Old Testament that God was going to reconcile Gentile sinners to himself. And it is God's desire to bring not only the Jew to faith in Jesus Christ, to redeem not only the Jew, but to redeem the Gentile as well. What a phenomenal truth. We as Gentiles are not the chosen people of God originally in the Old Testament, but he has chosen us in Christ Jesus from the foundation of the world that we may experience this abounding grace in our lives. And so he gives us all wisdom and insight so that we may know the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, according to his good pleasure, the New King James says, which he purposed in him. According to verse 10, it was always God's intention to gather together literally all things in the heavens and things on the earth in Christ Jesus. He wanted everything to be united in Christ Jesus. We are told in the scriptures that the very earth, the creation, all of nature, groans awaiting the adoption of the sons of God. Everything has been corrupted by sin. So when Jesus dies on the cross to redeem lost humanity, eventually 
we know he is going to return and everything is going to be reconciled. Everything is going to be made right. The righteousness of God is going to reign over all things. All of this, not simply our salvation, not simply the forgiveness of our sin, all of creation, all things in the heavens, all things in the earth are going to be brought together before God in Jesus Christ. So through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God has lavished his grace upon us, resulting in all wisdom and insight that we may know and understand the mystery of his will, that God is working to bring all things together in one in Christ Jesus, those things which are in the heavens and those things which are on the earth. All of human history has been moving to that climax of bringing all things together in one in Christ Jesus. At the center of that history is the cross. If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, you need to put your faith in Jesus. You need to receive the forgiveness of your sin. Jesus has done everything necessary in himself through the shedding of his blood, through going to the grave, through resurrecting from the dead, to ascending to the right hand of the Father in heaven. He has done everything necessary to reconcile you to God. You need to cry out to Jesus, turn away from your sin, and trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I plead with you to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Father in heaven, we thank you for this grace. Grace, grace, marvelous grace, amazing grace, grace that pardons and cleanses within. Father, we thank you for your grace, and we exalt you, Father, for displaying your grace in Jesus Christ and upon us. Father, help us to worship, not just in church services on a Sunday morning, but to worship you every day with the fruit of holy lives that you are worthy of. Help us not to live in sin, but to live in the righteousness provided for us through Jesus Christ. Thank you that your grace is sufficient for all of our sins. Thank you, Father, that you have chosen to make known to us this great mystery of your will. Thank you that we are a part of this process that is moving all of humanity and all of heaven to oneness in Christ Jesus. Father, fill us with the wonder of these truths. Help us to put our faith in you and not to walk in fear and doubt and confusion. Make known to us the truth of your word. Work in our hearts to draw us to your word that we might know and see and understand. Give us the wisdom to live in love before you and in the lives and relationships of all those around us. Watch over your people, Father. Guide them, direct them, protect them, provide for them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or podpoint.com. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.